Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Katie Diasti, the founder and CEO of Viv. Viv offers period care products that are natural and free of harmful toxins. After graduating from Boston College in 2019, Katie knew her calling was to combine her passion for women empowerment and sustainability to build a new type of period care brand that empowered consumers rather than thriving off their insecurities. In this episode, I chat with Katie about turning a college assignment into a business that has since raised $1 million in pre-seed rounds, what makes Viv's period care products unique, her advice for young entrepreneurs seeking investments, and much more. Let's get into the show. Katie, thank you for joining me on the podcast. I'm excited to dig into your startup journey with Viv and everything you have going on now. I would love it if you could just start by introducing yourself and telling me where you're from and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to get into it. Um, I currently live in Boston, Massachusetts. I grew up in Tampa, Florida, and I'm actually soon to be New York City resident. I am the founder and CEO of Viv, and we're an earth-friendly period care brand for the modern menstruator. I originally discovered Viv on Instagram and have been aware of your company for a while now, but I'd love to learn more about its origin story. So what were you doing when the idea for Viv came to be? Yeah, I was in a class that was called entrepreneurial marketing, and it was very classic entrepreneurship, find a problem, come up with a solution for it. And that during that class, I really built Viv on paper and really started doing a ton of market research and getting to be on a college campus and have like university resources during that time was so amazing because I was working with a bunch of professors to do surveys and to did focus groups in my dorm room, just asking my friends like what they liked and what they didn't like about their period care. And it was so fun and fascinating getting to talk to a lot of people about their periods and this time no one's like really been asked about their period in depth. So that was the perfect time to be on a college campus while building a company. And once I graduated, I jumped into building the full time by starting an accelerator program. And um, that's when I started beginning the actual process of, okay, like how do I find products and such? I'm sure the research part of starting the business was so fascinating. And I'm curious if you can share like any surprising statistics or facts that you were shocked to know about the period care industry that maybe people aren't familiar with or would be surprised to know. So much shocked me about what we were using. Um, and that's what inspired me to want to start Viv. It's I was starting to see more information come out about the toxins in period care. And there were a few brands starting to address that at the time. This is like late 2018, early 2019. Um, but no one was really addressing the amount of plastic waste involved in period care. And when I learned that 
one pad is equivalent to about four plastic bags of waste and can take between 500 and 800 years to break down. I was really shocked about like how much plastic I was using in my own life that I wasn't aware of, but also like what I was using on in my body and how we didn't have like any understanding or transparency around a product we were using every single month for like multiple days of a month. And that part really like was daunting to me. And I knew there was going to be a ton of consumers just like me that wanted something better and wanted a different kind of brand. And there was simply just like not an option I was drawn to as a consumer um, to have a solution there. That's so interesting and definitely something that should be more common knowledge for a product that we use on and in our bodies. But going back to your company inception for a bit, you mentioned that you joined an accelerator program after college, but can you share any other first steps you took to get your business off the ground? That part was crazy, like big leap of faith there to just do that immediately after graduating. I remember giving my final for that class project, which was a pitch and remember pitching to these like panelists that my professor brought in. And afterwards I was supposed to just be like fully done with that class. And I was taking notes on all the feedback they were giving me because I genuinely wanted feedback and genuinely cared so much. And I think in that moment I realized like, okay, I'm not ready to just be done with this. It isn't just a class project. It's something I'm incredibly passionate about. And I um, took advantage of a lot of the other resources. I had my last semester of college and I was spending my Thursday nights in like accelerator um, like workshops and that our school like offered. And so I think that was really telling. I was like, okay, I need to make this an actual business and applied to an accelerator program um, for summer of 2019. And that's what really allowed me to think like, okay, turn this into an actual business, get samples from manufacturers like how do I build a brand and there's so much to building a company from scratch that I had never imagined and now know and it was really helpful to have a support system and I knew as a first-time founder I would need that and so I actively was looking and craving like accelerator incubator type ecosystems to be able to actually help me build the brand. Even when you're talking now, I can see like you get so excited speaking about that time when you were just going headfirst into it. And like, like you said, it was a class project, but you were actually having fun with it and like willingly choosing to spend your time and effort into like growing this into something bigger. And I think that's kind of the only way something will work, right? Is if you actually have fun doing it and if you actually care about it. Now that you're, you know, in a different state of your business, do you still feel like it's fun or does it feel a little bit more like work now? Oh my gosh. It's still really fun. I think an element of it still being really fun today is that now I'm not a solo founder, like running around Boston, like freaking out. And as a (laughs) 22, newly 22 year old and trying to build a business. Now I have a team of people that like make like showing up every day. So fun. And, um, there's so many new things to get excited about that I never even imagined would happen when I was first starting out. And, like that's what keeps us going. And it's interesting because you can look back at different goals you had. And as you hit those goals, it's like, oh yeah, obviously we did that. And it can kind of dole out those like past things we've done. And, but when you really like think of all the future goals we have, it's like, holy crap. And then as you look back at all we've accomplished, it's definitely still very fun and very exciting. I think a part of that, and like you said, it's, you have to be passionate about what you're building. And if you're not like 
starting company is way too hard to do something you don't like. Like you simply will fail if you don't like what you're doing or like what you're building because like on the hard days, you just need that to rely on. And that's definitely been the case for us. Mm -hmm. That passion definitely comes across. And I know that a big drive for you to start the business was the environmentally friendly aspect of something that doesn't have so much waste attached to it. What was the development and testing process like to create the products that you had in mind? It was funny because that summer, I vividly remember getting samples from different manufacturers and being very picky about innovating from its core. So thinking about the core materials we use in our products, that was super important to me, which is why our pads are made out of a bamboo fiber and are all biodegradable and I was learning more about how different fibers could be used to not only make a product more sustainable, but could also make a product work better. So for context, bamboo fiber is actually like way more absorbent than like traditional cotton. And so we were like, oh my gosh, this is a perfect alternative for a period care product. Um, Along with that, it's like softer, it's naturally hypoallergenic, grows best naturally. It reduces so much agro waste because bamboo just grows so abundantly. And looking into more innovative solutions to be eco-friendly is so much better than just thinking about like the packaging. Like we want it to be sustainable from the moment production began or even before production began through the end of life of the product, not just at the end of life part. Um, So that one, one was really, really important to us. And then second, it was really interesting having to like test all these samples that came in, like a funny thing that I look back on, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Um, During the time we were getting samples, I would mess with my birth control to like force my period to come right when the samples would arrive. Cause I was like, okay, like logistically, I can't wait another month to test out these samples. And it would force my period to come at really odd times. Now I've like, we're deep in the hormonal health space. Like I would never, ever, ever do such a thing today. Cause that is so horrible for your body, but it was really needed and very, very helpful at the time that I was able to do that. But it's like, I knew I needed to try my own product and I wanted to be my harshest critic so that we knew we were putting something into the world that was actually really great and really worked. You had to take one for the team. Yeah, (laughs) I really did. (laughs) I know you started with pads and liners. When we first spoke, you told me that you were doing all the packaging and shipping a one woman show. I'm curious, how long after did you begin to expand your product offerings and then grow into a fulfillment center? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I packed orders for so long. I don't miss it at all now, but everyone was like, oh my gosh, like enjoy it. Well, last like you're going to miss it one day. I simply don't. I, I like love occasionally packing like PR boxes or boxes to friends, but when you're like get a big order day, it's so exciting, but it's physically like so exhausting. But when I first started out, I was packing out of my apartment for quite a while. And eventually we moved to our own warehouse space. And that was a really big jump for us because we had all of our product in that space. We had a packing area where we packed and shipped all of our orders and picked up from our our warehouse space every day. And then we also worked out of that space. So we really got to make it our own. Like we had a green wall, a pink wall, like all these fun chairs. Like we had a bright pink couch in the middle. Like we, we made it a good time and it was a great place to like be creative. And like you could go film and TikTok and then you could also like, ship out a whole palette. Like it was, you could really do it all in one space. And we were in that space for a year. And this past March, March, 2022, we moved out of that space and moved to a fulfillment center. 
which feels like ages ago and it really is not very long ago from now, which is so wild. Um, but that's how fast things can move in like startup land and five, six months ago feels like ages ago. Um, but now we're using all fulfillment centers. We have more of like a retailing warehouse um, outside of Boston that we like have all of our retailers and wholesalers pick up from or ship out from. And we're not day-to-day packing anymore, which is so crazy. And now it's great because when we understand like our use of time and like where our time is most valuable, it wasn't most valuable for me to be going and spending four hours packing boxes. I needed to go pitch to a retailer, work on other things. So um, that was a big step for us that I'm, I'm so happy. We like were so hands-on with our product for so long. I think there's a lot of companies nowadays and a lot of founders nowadays that like view themselves as above like packing a box or like packing orders, but having that closer relationship to our customer was so important to understand our supply chain thoroughly, to understand our consumers thoroughly, to understand like what people were buying and how it was arriving to them is so crucial. So I always encourage people like no matter how much capital you have, like it's important to pack your own boxes for like at least a sec. And just build that relationship with the customer, right? Like hear their feedback, I know you told me when we first spoke that you take a lot of that feedback and actually put it into new product ideas and product development. And I know you just had a new products launch. So I would love it if you could just tell people like the array of products that you now offer and what makes them unique. Yes. Oh my gosh. Our product line has changed quite a bit in the past couple of years. Uh, I know we talked a bit about our pads and liners, our first product, but then Shortly after we launched our Viv menstrual cup, which is now like our bestseller online and on Amazon and all those things. And it's such a good beginner cup. It's um, like a dark colored cup, which is great. So it prevents discoloration and it has a ring at the bottom. So it's much easier to remove. And we have two sizes of that. So the Viv cup is great if you're like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified of a cup, but I want to give it a go. It's a, it's a really good one to start with. Um, and then we also in April, 2021 did like our big brand launch and launched our organic cotton tampons with a plant derived applicator. So we were getting a lot of feedback that people hate cardboard applicators. Like people hate, um, like using a lot of waste. So we found an alternative that was still relatively sustainable, but also way more comfortable and easy to use. And that's how we've been thinking about our whole product line today is like, how can we make our period carry just a bit more approachable and easier while still being sustainable. And then we just launched two new products um, this week. And one is a menstrual cup starter kit. And um, we were getting so many reviews and so many comments on TikTok and in our DMs saying like, I'm brand new to a cup, like I need tips. And we took all of that feedback that we were getting from our community and created a kit that had our menstrual cup, a cup wash, because we got so many questions on how to actually clean our cup. And then a whole booklet of like all of our pro tips. Like I always recommend taking the cup out and inserting in the shower. Like there's more in-depth tips than just like here's some folds and um, a storage pouch, things like that. So that's all in one box. And we're excited to see how that goes and how that makes um, like periods and menstrual cup easier for a lot of people. Um, and then we have our cup wash that we're selling separately too, which we already see so many of our, our cup users like coming back and wanting to, to purchase that as well. That's so exciting. And a lot of, like you said, a lot of growth in a short amount of time, but it's, it's cool to see that you're taking that input from your consumers. And I'm sure they feel like 
part of the business a little bit when they're giving you feedback and then you're actually taking it and coming back to them with something that they can use. Exactly. I know. I feel like if you're not listening to your customers, you're doing it wrong. And customers are really clear about what they like and what they don't like, which I really appreciate. And it's really not that hard to listen to them. And I feel like a lot of brands like don't necessarily do it enough, but like that's something as we grow, I never want to forget that like customers are loud and clear telling us like what they do and do not like. Yeah, no. And I imagine like as a founder, it would be hard sometimes to hear like negative reviews and negative feedback when it's like your baby, something you created, but um, sometimes it could be for the better and like help you make your, your company and your products even better and like more impactful to the people that are actually buying them. Yeah, I definitely think it can be like, it needs to be like a mindset shift early on too. like the founders that like feedback and are craving it tend to do better because we understand like someone's taking the time to really like try a product and give you their actual thoughts, which is so hard to get from people sometimes. And so if someone is taking time out of their day to like give you insights that you might not have, like that's so exciting to us. Like as a team, like we want as much feedback as possible, even if it's terrible, even if it's amazing, like Mm -hmm. we want to know so we can iterate and change because we're so early still even in our lifetime of Viv and like the whole goal is to continuously better. We don't put one thing and think, oh my gosh, it's perfect. We'll never change it. Like I look back at the first boxes we've ever shipped out and I'm like horrified about it. (laughs) Um, But it's the case, like there's like a cliche startup like saying that if you're not embarrassed by the first product you put out, like you're doing it wrong. And I through and through can say I'm like absolutely horrified and embarrassed by the first product we ever launched. So hopefully we're doing something right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure so many people who are listening can relate to something like that. We talked about growing from your warehouse to fulfillment center. When did you go from a team of one, like you packing everything to now you have a team of three that are growing this business and what did it feel like to bring on employees to your company? Hiring is really hard and building a team is really hard. I'm like so thankful for our team right now. It's um, myself, Anna and Kelly are, are three of us at the moment and we work really well together. We're just very execution focused. We're all like entrepreneurial minded, really creative and in our own ways. And we all balance each other super well. I think understanding team dynamic, understanding like, respect and like for one another as well as how we view success is so important and that's been hard to do it's like so hard to do like I've had really low lows when I've had to like let people go or other people have left and you feel like things are crumbling but once you have a team that is also so passionate about what you're building everything like falls into place way easier so that's been a big like piece of feedback I've gotten is like when you're hiring, like look for people who genuinely care about the brand and about the mission. And again, like some days are going to get crazy. Some days are going to get like, very difficult. Some days are working longer hours than normal and like passion for your work is going to win. And it's fun because we're planning on growing our team fairly soon. So we're going to start looking into hiring in the next few months. So I'll be going through that process all over again and get to have more people on the Viv team, which I'm so excited about. And um, I would say like being a solo founder is really hard. So like surround yourself with other founders and build a community that you can lean on because that was so crucial for me, even for like mental well-being and understanding like morale. It's like getting to lean on other founder friends was so crucial early on. 
Yeah, that's good advice. And congratulations on hiring more people in the team. That's so exciting. Thank you. Hopefully it goes okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> it will. It will. <laughs> Speaking of being a solo entrepreneur, you started your company very young, straight out of college. I'm curious if you've ever felt underestimated as a young entrepreneur. And if so, how did you overcome any challenges or like feelings of doubts to continue leading your people and your company? Mm, that's such a good question. Uh, definitely have been underestimated quite a few times. It still happens constantly. Um, the amount of times I've asked if I'm like an intern at my company is like so hilarious to me, which I am young and I like don't have the typical look of what traditional founders in their head look like. And I'm excited to change that. And I think we need a lot more young people, especially young women building things and building brands. And so if I can be like a little part of like paving a way there, I'm so thrilled. And, um, it's, it's definitely something that like you need to take and use as fuel to continue to grow. But so amazing our team is like, we all have so much respect for each other and that's like so crucial. And I don't think for us, that's, I think working with all women, working with all relatively like young women in our exact age demographic of the people we're targeting has been crucial for that, especially early on. So both of those have like really helped us succeed. But yeah, there definitely needs to be more representation in terms of founders. So if you're trying to start a company, we need more young women doing it. And I think you are a great example of that and being able to like laugh things off like that when someone thinks you're an intern, you know, kind of take it, take it on the chin. You could take it as a compliment. Like, hey, I look young. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what you wanted to be when you were a kid? I'm just like curious what a younger version of yourself would think of the now founder and CEO that you are today. Oh, my gosh. Um so I come from a big like medical family background. Like a lot of my family is in medicine and I wanted to be, and if you're like from, if you're like familiar with football, you might appreciate this, but I wanted to be a part-time doctor, part-time Tampa Bay Buccaneers cheerleader when I was a kid, which is hilarious. I have never even like done cheerleading before. I would have been terrible at it. Um, but <laughs> in my head, I was like, okay, doing it all, which is kind of funny because that is like not at all what I do now. Um, like not even, not even close, but I think like wanting to do multiple things like checks out for me now as well. Cause there's so many like things I'm excited to do in the future. So many things like balancing with them. And if you're not an entrepreneur, you're often like multitasking. So, but that's what I wanted to be as a kid. <laughs> the ambition was there. It's still there. <laughs> Well, as a founder, I know we've talked about you having to wear so many hats, especially in the beginning to get your business to where it is now. What has been the most difficult part of bringing your products to life? One of the hardest parts about actually bringing the product to life was mentally like getting over the fact of like needing to be ready or things need to be perfect. I was like kept waiting and waiting because I just like, it's not ready, but really like I didn't feel ready and you're never going to feel ready to launch anything. And like, like you mentioned, it's probably going to be terrible the first like three or four times, but you need to have that initial jump in order to learn, to get those feedback and to make it better. So honestly, it was like the months I spent being like, oh, it's not ready. I can't launch yet. I can't launch yet. And then eventually taking that leap and then learning and changing from there was so crucial. Um, but honestly, it was, it was the mental component. Well, speaking of that, I'm sure like you've encountered burnout and like having those off days, 
what are some of the ways that you're able to like decompress and ensure that you're taking care of yourself first so that you can take care of your business? I love this question. I feel like it's starting to change a little bit, but when I was starting out, there was such like a toxic startup founder mentality of like you're valued based on how many hours you work and how horrible your work-life balance is and like how much you're like putting on yourself. And I think that's really incorrect and really unproductive. And in the past, like at least year or two, I've like really focused on my well-being being a really crucial part of like how I am as a leader, how I am as a founder, like how I can be creative. And um, for me, that's just as productive. And so I'm really big into like doing like long walks and yoga and doing more like physical activities that make me really happy. That's been crucial for me as well. So like having things outside of the, your business that you're building, there's this like notion that like you don't have to be your company, like you are not your company, like you are creating a company, but having other interests and other titles outside of your work title is okay, as even if you're a startup founder. And that was really hard to learn, like balance. But now I really value like sleep and I really value like eating really well and having balanced times like with friends and family. Like that's so important to me. And I'm like shocked I've been able to get to that place. But I've definitely been through periods of time when I was just constantly surrounded by people who were bragging about working till 2 a.m. every night. And you start to think like, I should be doing that. And it's honestly like less productive than just getting sleep and waking up and doing the same exact work. Like, what are you really doing at 2 a.m.? Just close your computer, go to bed and figure it out tomorrow. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I think that's so important for people to hear. I think it is better now. I do feel like that, that culture was very intense in the past. And it is absolutely important to work hard. But like you said, if you're not resting, then you're not even like working at your full capacity. Exactly. Shifting gears a little bit. I'm sure you love reading your customer reviews and testimonials. I'm wondering if you could share any like particularly memorable reviews that made you feel proud and excited about what you've created. Oh my gosh, actually, yes. There's one that comes to mind. Um, And it's always so crazy when we get reviews and this happens like now every day, but it still blows my mind every time someone leaves a review, period. And then if it's a positive review, I'm like, whoa, I just, it still gets me so excited. Um, But I remember it was like one of our first, like really, really long reviews, like over paragraph long on our website. And I believe it was around our menstrual cup, which does get a lot of good reviews. And um, it was all about how they're so excited to eventually just had a daughter and they were so excited to eventually like introduce their daughter to this brand and that their daughter doesn't have to grow up in a world that like lacked um, great period care, period care that understood people and period care that was inclusive and accessible. And like the fact that someone is thinking about like passing along the Viv brand to like a next generation already was like, I like, got goosebumps and it was so crazy to like something that you build up in your head and like create can like be so important for so many people. Um, we get like random DMs sometimes of just like really, really nice comments and things that because like having good period products can really change someone's entire week and can be really important. And so hearing how it's changing people's days or changing people's weeks or months 
has been so exciting. We have a little Slack channel um, amongst our team that says you're doing great, sweetie. And whenever we get really great comments or like a really nice DM or anything like that, we like, take a screenshot and send it in there. And that like channel itself has been so needed so many times because we'll have a crazy day we're like everything's going terribly and then we'll like get a really long like two paragraph long dm about how they love their product and we're just like okay we needed that now time to like reset and keep going yeah that's awesome and that's a good reminder for like everyone listening if you have a small business you love send them a review like it's gonna make someone's whole day they're really gonna appreciate that absolutely and if you're just working yourself someone um gave the advice once of like keeping a folder on your desktop and every time you get good feedback at work or in life or whatever, take a screenshot of it and put it in that folder. So when you're having a hard day, like open that desktop folder, like look at all the positive things people have told you. Cause it can be really hard to like take compliments and accept compliments and it can be really easy to take hard criticism. So um, it's always nice to like look at back at all the positive mm-hmm. things. That's a good idea. A little highlight reel to boost your, your mood. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I want to congratulate you on the fact that you've closed two pre-seed rounds now for a total investment of $1 million. What advice would you give to someone seeking investments in their own business? And can you share any like insight on what that, that process was like for you? Yes. If you're about to start fundraising for the very, very first time, I think it's so important to one, start building your community of potential investors as soon as possible. And something I learned really early on from a lot of mentors was that you're a point on a graph to an investor. And so if they're meeting you for the first time and they see what your progress is at, and then you talk to them two, three months later and you show them all of that progress, they're like, wow, like Katie and Viv, like they just crushed it the past three months. Like I absolutely want to invest. Like I want to be part of this momentum. But if I was only meeting them at like that three month later mark and I was raising then, then that's their baseline. That's what they know you as. So like start generating that community, start getting out there, networking with everyone, asking for introductions and um, start like an email list of updates consistently. So that way, when you're actually ready to raise, you have a group of people like right there like excited about your momentum and that'll be such a game changer um other elements is like know your worth from your company and know where the momentum is going to come from next and so know like okay i want to raise x amount but why like where is that going to what is that going to help you get to what level next and um like that's more important than just like the act of raising capital Uh, And then whenever it's time, I used to always say, and I like gone back on this sense, but I used to always say like, oh, if you want money, ask for advice. If you want advice, ask for money. And like, that is true to an extent, but when it comes time to actually ask for the money, ask for the money, just be like, are you ready to write a check? Like, are you ready to invest right now? Like, and if not, like, what would you need to see from my company to make you want to invest in my company? And ask that question because it allows them to think, okay, if I was to make this investment, what do I want to see? And that's great feedback for you to take home um, and work on. Um, And if the feedback is not direct, then it might be other reasons why they're not investing that don't necessarily revolve around like your growth as a company. 
That's awesome advice. Thank you for sharing like actionable bullets that people can take and run with. Cause I think at the beginning, what you said, I haven't really heard that before, like meet people at your before so that when you meet them again at your like after, so to speak, they've, they've seen that growth and they have something to compare it to. I think that's really important. Um, and then, like you said, know what you're going to do with their money and then be, don't be afraid to ask them for feedback on like, what do you need to see to invest if they're not ready now? Yes. When we previously spoke, you mentioned that you're currently preparing to raise a seed round. Can you explain how this differs from your previous investments and then share what you're doing to prepare? So at a basic bubble, we were raising on like saves and notes previously and looking at more of like price rounds for seeds. And um, for this round, it is a lot more about growth. Um, when we raised our very first round, it was around launching our tampons, like getting products out there, um, having more runway for retail. And now it's more about, okay, we have all of these exciting opportunities pending and we need capital to hire and back up those opportunities. And telling that story is going to be really fun. I'm actually like very excited to start fundraising. I absolutely love talking about Viv and pitching. So it'll be awesome to do, but it's another level of raising that I've never done before. And it's a level that we've never been at before in our business but we do have a great network of people that I have been meeting and networking with from day one at Viv. So in terms of being on that like graph per se, they have so many different points along the way to see where we're at and where we're going. And that'll make the process a bit easier, but it'll be a variety of past investors ideally and keeping them around. Um, and so the angel investor side of things was what we were raising from previously. So a lot of individuals who invest. Um, and then once we get to the seed round, it'll be more of like funds in our space that can really help take us to the next level. Well, what is next for Viv? Can you share any upcoming plans or goals that we should know about? Yeah. Um, so we're really focused on overall, just like distribution. We're really excited about retail growth at the moment. One exciting update is we're now in CVS locations, predominantly in the Northeast. So um, you could find us in now like 1,200 CVS locations. And uh, we're also in a few natural grocers and expanding more there. So the goal is to see us on more shelves. And um, I know you're based in the Texas area. Yes. So we are in Central Market now for all of our Texas friends. Um, and if you find yourself in the Northeast, run into a CVS, we might be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so exciting. What is it like seeing your products on the shelf? Do you get like goosebumps? It's definitely like crazy and surreal. Sometimes I'm running in and I'm like, everything is placed right. Like, what's the price? Like, and you just get into work mode. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I have to like take a step back and be like, oh my God, that is on a shelf. Like, that's so crazy. And we can be so heads down sometimes that I need to like take a step back and be like, whoa, that it was in my head and now it's like being purchased by people. Mm -hmm. in but yeah, it is cool. It's That's fun. awesome. <laughs> well, you've shared so much good advice throughout this, this conversation, but I do like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom. So what is your biggest piece of advice for founders and entrepreneurs? Ooh, I would say two things like launch and learn don't be afraid that something you do is going to be like not perfect right away and then two um ask a lot of questions ask a lot of people 
to meet with you and go out and just build a community because you're going to need a community to lean on. Um, so meet more founders in your space. Don't think of others as competition and don't be too afraid to like tell people about your idea because you think they're going to steal it. Like no one's going to put the blood, sweat and tears that you're going to put into your business. Um, so yell it from the everywhere, yell it from the mountaintops, like tell people you're building a brand so that they know anyone that can help you and make those introductions for you. Just be loud and be proud. Yes, love it. (laughs) Well, Katie, thank you again for joining me on the podcast. Before I let you go, can you please let everyone know where they can keep up with you and Viv online and on social media? Yes, our website is vivforyourv.com. All of our social handles for Viv is at vivforyourv. And then my name's Katie Diosti, and that's my handle on everything too. Thank you so much to Katie for joining me on the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us next week for a new episode of Office Chats. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.